0: This is Thought and Leaders.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome again to another Thought and Leaders. In conjunction, we're together in isolation. Today, we have got someone really special. Uh, Her name is Tosh Britton. Hello, Tosh.
2: Hello there, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on your show.
1: Hey, it's, a, it's, it's a great privilege and a pleasure. So for that one person in a cave in deepest, darkest Morocco who hasn't heard of you, do you want to give a bit of an elevator pitch?
2: About nine years ago, I decided, or my ex and I decided to get a divorce There was this moment where these friends were saying to me, uh, you've got to go after him and you've got to get this and you've got to get that. And I just felt really sick in my stomach. And I just felt really, I, I just felt there was something really wrong with doing that and being a child of divorced parents. I had a little conversation with myself and I thought, I'm going to do this really differently. I'm going to just throw kindness at our divorce and... And it automatically felt better. Then I had a conversation. I sort of went through my divorce. And every time I sensed upset, anxiety, anger, all those emotions that come up throughout divorce, I sort of came back to how I was feeling as a result and then trained to be a mindfulness teacher. And um, I now am a divorce life coach, I guess, for men and women going through a divorce who want uh, a more positive experience and also i i kind of i've got a little bit between my teeth on this one because i just realized that actually i think so many people are so tired by the time they have this conversation or you know for those who are in a state of shock then ramping it all up with you know a great big fight and battle and all the, the you know these words that are synonymous with a divorce um is just you know we're all good enough to do it a different way so there you go <laughs> so. one
1: part of a former partnership may say, okay, I'm going to throw not just legal expenses, but I'm going to throw copious amounts of kindness at this. But the other person may not be so inclined.
2: Yeah, I know. So this is, people sort of roll their eyes and go, "Yeah, but you haven't, you haven't got a partner that you know is ready to do all that, uh, or had a partner." But I have to say, when we said we were going to get a divorce, our family and friends ran for the hills. Mm. They were just locking down their hatches, going, "Oh my goodness, these two—they're so stubborn." I think when people are kind to people, there is really nowhere else to go. You you work on the stuff that you were both good at. There was actually a time where it did work for you, and I think it's really important that couples are reminded that, of this. You know, the whole focus isn't just completely negative. There is something that can come out of here that is positive.
1: What goes through my head is that if he agreed to all of this stuff, and you were kind to him, and he was kind to you, did it occur to you? during this reconciliation in terms of divorce stuff that you might as well get back together again?
2: No, (laughs) no, because there are moments where you look at each other and you go, I know exactly why (laughs) we decided to get a divorce. Um, And it's actually using those positive bits, especially if you have children, to take you through the whole whole co-parenting process. And I think it's being realistic and not revisiting what, you know, in those lighter moments where you are okay with each other. Yeah, it's just using those good bits for moving forward and uh, co-parenting, I think is really important.
1: There would be some people who would have gone into the lockdown, they decided to separate and get divorced, but then the lockdown happened and they found themselves stuck with each other, but under the same roof. That's a difficult one, isn't it?
2: That's really about the pair of you looking at each other and going, okay, so we've got to get through this. So we might as well do some foundational work, find a way through that is going to demonstrate to ourselves that we can do this. And I think it really is for, you know, when people decide to get a divorce, it's like everybody, everything's thrown up in the air. It's like you've fallen down this rabbit hole where nothing is as it seems. I've spoken to quite a few people actually who have been found that found themselves in this position, yeah, and it just kind of focused how they wanted to move forwards whilst it has obviously increased divorce figures for a lot of people um it has been an opportunity to work together, so I think in that respect it's 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 been really useful I mean obviously, there are very sad stories coming out about And domestic abuse, and that's a whole different scenario.
1: Why do you think that this domestic abuse has been on the rise during COVID?
2: I think people just perhaps don't have the tools to cope.
1: You mentioned the fact that um, people have been going to lawyers and things like that during COVID, so business for them has been quite good. Now, another place where business has been good is the Disney Channel. In a lot of Disney films, you have the prince and the princess, the boy and the girl, and they fall in love, and they have a dream wedding and, and things like that. Do you think that kids need to be shown or taught that it's it might Actually, not work rather than it will work. They're so this dream, aren't they? And then they set themselves up for disappointment.
2: Oh, it's reality, isn't it? I think there is that sort of wanting to find something in the sort of happy ever after. I think children, they have got these amazing radars. I mean, they know what's going on for, you know, the adults do. Do they want that happy ever after? I think they just want to see parents happy. I think uh, somebody once said to me that. Adults serve to confuse children. Um, children just think laterally and we just put all our stuff on how we think it ought to be. I remember speaking to somebody recently. They said they felt so guilty about their children. They were going to spit up and they were going to have this conversation. and They'd worried about having this conversation. They both sat down with their children. They sort of were feeling so anxious about having this conversation. And the children just went, okay. And they went, well, where are we going to live? And you know, basically we're still going to get fed and you're still going to love us. They were just like, so it was almost like an anticlimax because she was so prepared for this whole like outpouring of everything but adults and all our stuff that we've kind of layered up on ourselves. Uh, And it just didn't happen. No, I just think children just want to know they're going to be okay. And, you know, they're still loved and bringing that element of kindness as well. I think you know, divorce is so widespread these days that more people are choosing not to get married and choosing perhaps to live with each other, uh, to live, I don't know, buy a house next door to each other and live side by side. I think things have changed and things have moved on. I mean, back in the day, it was the big, white, fluffy, you know, four weddings and a funeral wedding scenario but actually i don't think life is like that anymore and i certainly i think sort of covid and lockdown and everything has asked us to look at so many different parts of life mm. and how we live
1: it's not just about the divorce issue it could be to do with bankruptcy and other really life changing circumstances in terms of coping with all of this sort of idea is the main thing that people have is it anger with themselves
2: are you cross because you chose to ignore um, what was happening in your marriage? Yeah, I mean, there are so many different aspects of life that come in and sort of ask us to look a little bit more deeply at relationships. Yeah, all of that.
1: I was hearing uh, at the time of recording this that one in six people in the UK mm. are losing their jobs here. There was a lot of uncertainty.
2: uncertainty and that fear and anxiety and we're talking about money we're talking about jobs we're talking about relationships you know we're talking about schooling we it's like we're all being asked to look at every level of our lives uh, and see it differently acceptance is letting go and resignation is holding on I'm actually going to go with you a story so uh, I bought uh, a dishwasher recently and I needed one for my new house. I bought and researched this lovely, lovely brand. And it turned up and it was beautiful and it was put into my house. And then the next day, I had a phone call from, you know, the place where I bought it, the shop. And they said, we'd like to sell you some insurance because, you know, the machine might break down in the next three years. And okay. in that moment, I was sort of subversively being asked a question my judgment to trust, you know, the decision I had made and the research I'd done into the machine, um, that that was right. And, and I was sort of asked, a, yeah, really question. I was thinking, actually, no, I'm going to trust that, you know, this machine is going to work and it's going to be okay. And it's, it, yeah, it's not going to break down in three years. And, and I think so often, you know, we're, we're being asked to, to, to question our judgment Um, and we've forgotten actually how powerful we are as human beings if we get back into ourselves and, and trust our intuition trust other people as well you know we sort of worry so much about the future where actually it's about coming back to that present moment it's actually living each day and remembering that you uh, your life is precious Um, and if we live worrying all the time about what might happen or what you know what could happen we're missing you know the days we have now doesn't matter what you have but actually what we all do need is community and people we love and trust
1: Mm. going back to the washing machine it's a brand that you can trust it's a brand that you know you checked it out um, and everyone told you it's going to be great and it's going to be fine and you were so confident that you decided not to get the insurance you did it with all good intentions but then it broke, mm. uh, and it wasn't even your fault.
2: There are some horrendous stories that I've heard. I would come back to actually who you can be kind to, and that is yourself. So do you want to go into battle and be stressed with court cases? And, you know, you want to punish somebody, and you're holding on to that anger, and there's that very well sort of used, you know, um holding anger is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You know, you're angry about somebody else. And and I'm sure there are many of your listeners who know somebody who has down the road held onto that anger for that other person going into their new life and new relationships. And, oh, do you really want to be holding onto that? You know, are you worth more than, you know, just wanting to punish somebody Um, And maybe it comes back to that being angry yourself. Maybe there are things in your your marriage or your relationship that, you know, were those flags and you just kind of chose to avoid them or, you know, sweat them under the carpet and it'll be all right because we're married and everything. Um, Yeah. What is your divorce asking you to look at in your life? Is it relationships? Is it for you to grow and not feel so cheated about life because you brought up the children perhaps or you've had to go out to work and missed you know missed your children's um earlier years and childhood
1: problem is is that the other party may also have thoughts and so then you're back to square one which is one saying well i have a life worth living and the other one says i have a life worth living and one says i invested all this into the relationship i'm not talking about just money and the other one says, yes, and I invested all this into the relationship. So it becomes a King Solomon's baby, in which case, you know, you say, well, well, we'll cut the baby in half then. Who is more deserving then? Whose life is worth more? A or B?
2: Take the best bits from both of you that still work and and make something, you know, create two amazing babies out of this one baby rather than just going okay we just have to cut the baby in half and that's it and we only get half and we still stay in this place of anger
1: but unfortunately with divorce it often is
2: okay so you can't change the law you can't change it it is what it is but you know it's how you go into it is how you go into the process and you make the best out of the process and it's you know I, I regularly remind people that you can't change how your ex is going to uh, think act or speak or communicate with you but actually you have an opportunity every time you you speak you act you think as to how you show up and really you know for and it's a tough one as well because you know it's a high you know high emotions are, are running
0: who broke my
2: I've just mentioned uh, an amazing sort of mindfulness story, I guess, about two arrows. And the first arrow is what happens to you. You know, so that is the event. That is the, the affair. That is the bankruptcy. That is the illness. And then the second arrow is, you know, you can choose to shoot yourself with the second arrow, you know, to... Um, you know, to keep yourself in that place of anger and upset. And we all have that second arrow and it's whether we choose to use it. And so often you see people and they go, well, they did it to me and they did it. And it's like, wow, what, why are you still in this victimhood? Come on, you, you know, you can do this. You can change the way you see things. So you can straighten your shoulders and you can believe you're better than, you know, arguing and, taking the family through um, such traumatic times.
1: You mentioned illness. Uh, I get it with the bankruptcy uh, and financial issues and stuff like that. But if someone is ill and the other one just, you know, decides, well, it's a bit too much of an effort, it's got nothing to do with financial things. Do you think then that even in those circumstances, well, you know, there's something you can do about it and you just accept that, Even though it's nothing you could physically do, but, you know, people just abandon you.
2: As I was teaching mindfulness to some people who were living with and beyond cancer, and one of the ladies, her husband had left her um, because she had breast cancer. And she didn't tell me till the end of the course that she was getting a divorce, so what do you do? Do you just get angry and you're ill and you're angry? Or, you know, what, what can you do? If somebody wants to leave you because you're ill, wh- what do you do?
1: So you're being punished because you've got cancer. The, the, the partner left you because of that. So then you're going to start thinking to yourself, well, it's my fault, isn't it? It must be so I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm, a, I'm a reject.
2: Her husband handed her strength. Because she actually decided that she was going to absolutely come through this. And I think out of adversity comes incredible strength in people. And I think we forget this as human beings, that actually there is so much strength we had in difficult situations. Mm.
1: I know a woman who had MS. And not only did the, the husband leave her, but her children left her. In fact, her friends left her. In fact, everyone left her. So do you not think that she has a right to be angry?
2: I do, but I would suggest I don't know her and I'm, I don't say this with any, um, you know, unkindness at all, but I think perhaps you might want to start asking yourself what you can change about your life we're all being forced to look at how we lead our lives
1: the thing is that what you're saying is very theoretical because in reality what actually happened in this case was that the person had ms she got iller and iller until she couldn't actually she had to go into a home and eventually she died now the thing is is that so she's not in a position tosh that she could have started saying well i've got to think you know, about you know how I view myself, how I view the world and all the rest of it. I'm afraid that's not how life went.
2: But she still had her own thoughts. She still had um, she still owned her own thoughts, she still owned their words that she could use, she still had the control.
1: No, because in the end she couldn't even swallow and she actually died because she was she suffocated on her own vomit that's a true story tosh it's not a theoretical thing that's what happened do you think that she didn't have the right to be angry disappointed disillusioned
2: it's the most tragic story really really sad story and i'm sorry for your friend as well and i'm sorry for you to have uh known somebody who went through that
1: you know this and i know this yeah we both know this we can be kind, we're going to be mindful, we're going to be understanding. Even with all the best will in in the world, sometimes it still doesn't work because, you know, people are just bums, quite frankly.
2: Often when people are going through really big major life events, life changes, they feel they have no control. Mind monkeys suddenly sense there's an opportunity to you know, really get busy. Well, this, you know, this is my point. We actually have control over our thoughts. We actually have control of the words we use. And that is what we do have control over. So if you want to sit and be angry and negative and, you know, peed off with people for the rest of your life, of course you can have that. Nobody's going to tell you, oh, be kind, because, you know, actually, because actually it comes from within all of us to make this choice. COVID and lockdown and everything that's happened these last few months is forcing us to recognise that we have a
1: choice. What about those people who have lost their jobs and may lose their houses or homes?
2: I was that person. And I think you just... You just look after yourself. You find ways to manage your anxiety, um, whether you exercise, you eat well, you lay off alcohol, you you meditate, you get counselling. You know, there is so much there for people, to support people and help people. And never more so now. You know, the communities are incredible these days. If you are anxious about your job, like you know, what what can we do about it? You you know, apply for other jobs. You just look after your finances as best you can. You just got to come back to basics. You know, we just change the way we're living um, until we know what is going to happen if we ever do know what is going to happen. Um, but I think really managing your 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 mental well being is incredibly important. Um, noticing those difficult anxious thoughts. Um, and uh, meditation for me saved my. You know, I hit a, I hit a wall one day, and so I had a a mini uh, breakdown. And I, I I speak very openly about it, um, and I I realised I needed to start looking after myself. Otherwise, I really would uh, just be in a really bad place, and I needed to be there for my children. So I do understand what it is to lock yourself away for about six hours and just cry after you've dropped your children off at school because you don't know whether you're going to actually make the rent that month, um, or whether you're going to put food on the table for your children. And I, I know what this feels like, um, which is why I started writing my blog. Um, because I just thought if I'm feeling like this, there must be other people going through a divorce who feel like this as well. And, um, yeah, that, which is kind of where it all started.
1: Yeah. So the blog and these podcasts that you do, and I know that you do amazing work in terms of uh, TV and stuff like that. Do you think that this is all part of your own therapy for yourself?
2: It, it was very cathartic writing the blog for me. Um, and that was. And and now I feel I'm in a place where I'm okay with it. And I just want to be able to help others and share the experiences of other people and help people feel stronger and trust themselves that, yeah, they can get through this.
1: If your kids told you they wanted to get married when they were obviously old enough to do so, I don't know how old they're, but whatever. But if your kids said they wanted to get married, what would you say to them?
2: If they want to get married and commit to somebody, I have, I would support them completely.
1: And what if you didn't like, personally, deep down, you didn't like the cut of this person's jib? He looked like a wrong one to me, but would you still say to them, go ahead?
2: Well, I've probably put myself in my in, in the place where my parents were saying that to me and I know exactly what I would have done. I would have just gone ahead anyway. So um.
1: so do you think that when it comes to children of um, divorcees, it's a little bit of history repeating itself?
2: Uh it's really interesting you actually asked this because we had a real conversation because my ex as well had divorced parents, and we really thought long and hard about committing and getting married, and you know, were we going to break that cycle? Really? What we did decide was actually we were going to do it differently. And I remember having that conversation about the kindness conversation saying, Listen, I don't want to do you know i don't want to have an angry divorce i don't want parents who can't talk to each other um we go to dinner we have christmas drinks together we go to events together with the children and new partners and we we just yeah we it's about finding a new way through and that really is about you know what covid has brought to the world it's about finding uh, a new way and a different way through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really insightful. And I'm, and I'm pretty uh, convinced that this is going to be um, of great value to people. Now if people wanted to get a hold of you. How would they do that?
2: They can listen to me on a podcast, which is the divorce goddess podcast. Uh, they can email me or on uh, hello at divorce or they can follow me on Instagram, which is divorce goddess as well. Um, I think pretty much type in divorce goddess and you'll find me somewhere.
1: other questions that I really want to ask you. Just two two questions. Number one, why do you call yourself a divorce goddess?
2: I knew you were going to ask me this question. It was really funny. The other day I was thinking, I bet you asked me this question. Uh, it's not like I am the divorce goddess, although people say, come on, Tosh, you're the divorce goddess, own it. It was more about just being, you know, owning yourself, trusting yourself, being in your own power to and not feeling, yeah, obviously disempowered and angry and just kind of, you know, owning what you say, how you act for a divorce. So that was really the thinking behind it.
1: Now, the other question I wanted to ask you was, I noticed that this year you were going to be uh, talking at an event in Olympia in London. It was called The Divorce Show. Is divorce, is it a big business now?
2: There is definitely a move. An and opening, I guess, in the whole divorce world uh, and acknowledging it's not just about uh, the legal side and the financial side, but actually it's about uh, emotional and uh, mental well-being and support as well and around children. So there was a lot of really eminent speakers there talking and opening up the conversation about divorce. And I spoke about mindfulness and divorce it got people talking about it and actually it, divorce is something that happens and we can't change the fact that divorce is in people's lives. Let's talk about it. Let's, you know, let's sort of reduce the shame around it. Because I think so often people just, you know, they just, they, they feel so ashamed. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about failure. You have to have courage to go through a divorce you know and strength and it's not something that people go through lightly
1: you've got to keep on talking because the more you talk even if it's going to be not a a happy place but uh, talking builds bridges and once you have those bridges at least you can move on forward for your sake for the sake of uh, your children, um, but as I say, most of all for yourself. So thank you once again, uh, Tosh.
2: Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. (laughs) My pleasure. Right, so for everybody else, until next time, take the words of Tosh to heart. Keep talking, look after yourself, and take care. Speak to you soon.
0: If you have an outstanding story to tell the world, you could be considered for one of Jonathan's podcasts. Contact us today for world-class brand creative content, as well as personal development strategy that builds your brand. Get in touch with Jonathan by emailing reinventatme.com. That's reinventatme.com.